in the high desert in the great American Southwest. I'm Art Bell. Slamming into your radio like a supercharged nanoparticle of unobtainium. My name is George Van. I'm Richard Serrett. This is Connie Willis. I'm George Norrie. Welcome to Coast to Coast Day. It's great to be here. Welcome to Coast to Coast PM, the number one unofficial Coast to Coast AM podcast. We are two brothers who analyze the world's largest overnight paranormal radio show known as Coast to Coast AM. My name is Paul, and I'm the guy that listens to this inexplicable radio show here with my brother. Hey, it's Chris. I'm the Pierre Bezukov to your Andre Bolkanowski, except neither of us are 19th century Russian aristocrats. I have no idea what this one is. Is this from one of your documentaries? War and Peace. War and Peace, okay. Yeah, Leo Tolstoy. Are you reading War and Peace right now? I'm watching the 1966 Russian War and Peace, which is a four-movie release. Each of them at least an hour and a half long. Goodness. All right, well, I hope that's going well for you. It's incredible. It really is. Definitely highly recommended if you have HBO Max. Well, today we won't be talking about Russians, Chris, but we will be talking about magic. Ooh, what kind of magic? So this is going to be Art Bell's very first interview with a Coast classic. Her name is Dr. Evelyn Paglini, who is an expert magic user. Okay, so we're learning how to do magic. We're going to learn a little bit about not only how to do magic, how to protect ourselves from dark magic, And we're also going to get even darker. We're going to talk about how to potentially assassinate someone using magic. So for our uh, millennials and Gen Zers, this is a defense against the dark arts. Yeah, pretty much. A lot of this is going to be focused on the defensive side of things, as well as if you do need to take revenge, how you can go about doing so. Hopefully it won't be a Professor Umbridge type situation. I I don't think it will be, but we'll find out very soon. Now, Evelyn Paglini is a doctor. She has her PhD in both parapsychology and a doctorate of divinity. Where does one get a degree from for parapsychology? So I had to actually look this up because I was very curious where you can research parapsychology and get a PhD. So there's a few institutions. There's only a handful that actually do this. One of them is the uh, University of Edinburgh. Another is the University of Arizona. And then also the University of Virginia has a parapsychology program. Holy, that's a legit school, though. I know I was because I'm in Virginia and I got very excited when I saw that they have a whole department focusing on parapsychological research. All right. So all our parapsychologists out there or I guess aspiring parapsychologists. You now know where you need to go. Check one of these programs out and you will be able to yeah. study psychic phenomena. Yes. But before we get to any of that, Chris, we got to check in with our good friend Tim Banal at the Coast to Coast AM blog. Tim Tam. So today's article, Treasure Hunters Push for More FBI Records on Contentious Civil War Gold Dig. Yeah, dude, we're definitely going to need some more information from the FBI. Always. I don't care what the topic is. I'm always going to need more information from the FBI. And especially when they're hiding Ancient gold from us. That's well, an not that one. ancient. Civil War isn't that ancient. Well, for the U.S., it's ancient. <laughs> okay, I got it. I've, all right, We're I, not I, that I, old. It's yeah, relative, right. right? All right, get to Tim time. All right, so from this article. Strengthened in their belief that the federal government is covering up the recovery of an apocryphal cache of lost Civil War gold, a team of treasure hunters are reportedly asking a judge to force the FBI to release additional documents concerning the highly contentious dig. Is this Confederate gold or or Union gold? This is a lost cache of Union gold. Oh, lost. Okay, Mm -hmm. let's go. Let's go. I'm intrigued already. The request is the latest salvo in a longstanding legal battle brought forth by Dennis and Ken Parada, who contended that they led authorities to a massive stash of gold bars buried in a Pennsylvania state park back in 2008, but were then excluded from the excavation and subsequently told that nothing had been found. Why would you why would you bring the feds with you anyways? Like so what a this, dumb call. This is interesting. So because it was found in a state park, they were able to track down the gold using very high-tech metal detectors, but okay. the state park refused to allow them to dig. Ah. So they had to report it to the government to actually right. get permission to dig, and then the FBI kicked them out. Again, never ask permission, always ask forgiveness. Start Just digging. Do it. 
Just start digging, dude. You think one ranger in a thousands of acres is going to be able to find you? Because you know it's not like right off the trail. Mm-hmm. You're going to have to go deep into this, you know, state park. You just, just start it. digging. Just start digging. Since From, that time. I hope all our listeners are learning something. Just do it. Since that time, the pair have doggedly pursued the matter in court, and the results of their hunt for answers, rather than the treasure, has been rather illuminating. Having received a wealth of materials acquired from the FBI by way of a court order, the treasure hunters point to several details which, they argue, reveal a cover-up on the part of the federal government. No way. What was buried with this treasure? I don't know, man. Specifically, the note that the weather conditions in several photos from the dig do not match what was occurring at the time in which they were taken, and theorize that this is evidence of some kind of shenanigans meant to conceal what was really unfolding during the excavation. It stinks to high heaven, Paul. They also assert that the FBI purposely provided low-quality images, wherein it was nearly impossible to discern many details in the photos. They love their grainy technology, don't they, folks? They, I fully believe the FBI would cover up Civil War gold. Oh, a million percent. I don't doubt. Like, these are the progeny of J. Edgar Hoover, who mm. would just cover something up for the fun of it. Yeah, just because they can. And also, they would have to pay a reward to these people. Right. Yeah, exactly. And FBI ain't sharing their gold, dude. No, the FBI never shares their gold. I don't think the FBI has ever shared gold in the history of the FBI. No. I I, I feel like I can stand by that statement. I think you could stand by that. I think you can stand by that. (laughs) Beyond that, the treasure hunters accused the FBI of holding back additional materials from the dig, which they should have received, such as additional photos from later in the excavation, any images of the specific spot where the gold was thought to be buried, nor a complete version of a report from a geophysical survey of the site. This all is tracking completely because this couple, this this is something the government would do, no doubt, mm-hmm. right? Like, just be like, thanks for finding it. Now, f- off. <laughs> Bye. Yeah, I believe it. And that's the thing, too, is that the FBI, the, or our listeners may not know this, they usually don't search for gold. So right. the fact that they are actively digging for gold means that there was some serious evidence that led them to do this. Because this gold, people have been looking for for a really long time. It's a known story that it disappeared. And, um, you know, because they were digging there, that means, like, very likely there was something that they found. How did how did this couple just stumble on this? Yeah, so they, um, I, I believe they were, they were just treasure hunters. So they had been researching where this gold had landed. And using metal detectors in the region, they were able to track down the spot where they thought it was. I got to get into treasure hunting, dude. Now, it, it could be lucrative if the government doesn't steal your gold. That's when it kind of falls I would flat. never, ever tell the government. I would never make that call. Dude, I'm not Indiana Jones. I'm selling my artifacts to the highest bidder. Gold on the black market. Big time. As such, the team are once again asking a judge to compel the federal government to produce these documents, as well as the FBI's operational plan for the project and other potential evidence requested by the Parada's legal team. Considering their success in court so far, one suspects that the treasure hunters will ultimately get their hands on these materials. I just, I'm wondering, Paul, honestly, do you think this gold is now in the same vault as the giant bones are in the Smithsonian? I don't know. Would the FBI give the Smithsonian the gold, though? I feel like the FBI would keep it for themselves. So I'm thinking that there must be some kind of give and take, right? Mm -hmm. And that... The FBI would present the gold to the Smithsonian, you know, in a prostrated manner. Mm -hmm. And then the Smithsonian would then present them with tangible cash or, you know, cocaine and drugs so that they can give it to inner city youth and stuff (laughs) like that. It would be a trade and barter system, right? Like the FBI at the end of the day doesn't have any. What are they going to do with a whole bunch of gold ingots, right? Mm -hmm. The gold ingots are for the reptoids to to power their energy. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah, they, they're going to have a lot more use uh, for a way to continue to increase the crack epidemic or something of that nature. Right. Than, you know, using that gold. And, and you can't do a lot with gold, dude. You know, there's it's hard to offload gold. 
Yes. And that's the thing. The FBI is, is just a, a, you know, a middleman to the reptoid elites pulling all the strings Yeah, who actually need the gold to help them better feed off the energy of humanity. That's, that's definitely a possibility. We'll have to dig in a little deeper into the uh, reptilian Smithsonian connection. I don't think that's been discussed on coast yet. Maybe, so, maybe uh, coast will have us on. <laughs> We'll be following. We'll be following the this court case very closely. We will indeed. We will indeed, Chris. All right. So some quick housekeeping. We have an email address. Send your thoughts and episode requests to c to cpmpod at gmail dot com. Uh, find us on Twitter at c to cpmpod or on our subreddit coast to coast pm. If you like the show, drop us five stars on Apple Podcasts or Spotify and smash that subscribe button. We drop every Thursday, and that'll make sure you never miss an episode. Also, quick shout-outs to our new patrons, Heather, Chris, and Kenny. Uh, thank you all for supporting the show, and you too can support us on Patreon by following the link in the show notes to get ad-free episodes, early access to episodes, uh, top-tier episode requests, and soon we'll actually have some exclusive patron-only episodes, so be on the lookout for that. Be on the lookout. All right, anything else, Chris? That's it for me. I love it. All right, let's jump into our episode. Art Bell's first interview with Dr. Evelyn Paglini from July 16th, 1997. Good year, 1997. Great year. So to start things off, uh, the way that Art was actually introduced to Evelyn was on an open lines where Art was asking witches to call in. And he was like, I want some real witches, like broom riding witches. Real life witches that actually do magic. Not the fake harlot, the witch. Mm -hmm. I'm just banging married dudes. Yeah, pretty. That's basically what harlot, the witch did, which is sleep yeah. with a lot of married men and young men. Yeah. Um, he was looking for an actual witch. And at the very end of that open lines, which honestly, it wasn't that hot of an open lines. He was getting mostly Wiccans calling in and people who are mad at witches, like evangelical Christians. Evelyn Paglini calls in and she sounded so legit. He's like, we need to have a whole episode just about you. So yes. this is the first episode where he interviewed her, and then she came on quite a few times throughout the years. Let's go, baby. All right, so starting off, Art just needs to, you know, give her some credit. Like, she seems like the real thing when it comes to witchcraft. My guest is going to be Dr. Evelyn Paglini. Uh, Dr. Paglini, uh, for lack of a better term, is a witch. And um, in all the months and maybe even years of searching that I have... Uh, engaged in with regard to this sort of topic. I have never, until Evelyn Paglini, Dr. Uh, Evelyn Paglini, have I run into somebody that I consider to be the real McCoy. So he, he's talking her up. He's talking her up. And when, when Art uses the real McCoy, that means he's taking this real seriously. Right, right, right. This is, that's... Art, that's that's getting the Art Bell seal of approval. It definitely is. It's it's the real McCoy. Yeah, you better turn your radio up and lean in. Yeah, you don't want to listen to this one. <laughs> so to start off, let's start with a little foundation, right? What kind of witchcraft are we talking about here? Because there's a lot of different versions of witchcraft, right? Right. You got well, as we as we just mentioned, right? Yeah. There's the harlot, the witch, which you don't really get any witchcraft. <laughs> It's just some weird stuff about Satan and sex. Yeah. Um, so I, I would imagine that witch would probably not be the appropriate, really the appropriate term. Or is it? Well, I don't follow a Wiccan coven. Uh -huh. I don't belong to Gardnerian or Saxon or some of the other sects of Wicca. But I practice natural magic. And I am a Genesean, which is another pagan religion that is very much into natural magic. And so therefore we use similar tools as those that are practicing uh, forms of Wicca, other forms of voodoo, or Santeria. Paul, what's a Genesean? It's right a form of, of paganism. I really wasn't able to find much information on it. If anyone has more info on Geneseans, uh, c2cpandpod at gmail.com. But from what I've been able to collect from the episode, it is a belief that there is like one source of power that you're able to draw from, and that power is God. Um, and using that sort of natural energy, you can then, uh, you know, put your will onto the universe and like manifest different things to happen. Well, <laughs> this is so 
lame of me, but I, the, I, the first idea that came into my head is that there's the Janassi race in Dungeons and Dragons who are elemental users. So there's like water Janassi and fire Janassi. And so I was just thinking like, it was probably like elemental and like you were saying, kind of natural earth magic. No, it's actually very similar because she does talk right. about elementals and being able to tap into that energy. Okay. Now, the ultimate source, according to Evelyn, is God. And she refers to him as like the true source. And that's where all okay. this is drawn upon. Cool. But that can manifest in like elementals or familiars and things like that. Super cool that she mentioned voodoo and Santeria. Like, though, I'm actually kind of scared of those two things. Well, and that's that's what she's saying, too, is that all of these different types of magic are different ways of utilizing the same power. It's just like different right. angles that you're looking at this from. Right, right. Now, let's get into some of the ways you can actually harness magic, right? right? And one of the most basic ones is using colors, different types of colors that do different things for you. Say you wanted to empower yourself. Say you had a very rough day and you're very tired and you needed to go out that evening, and yet mm -hmm. you said, where am I going to find the energy? Sure. Well, if you put on something the color of red, or if you manifest the color of red in your mind's eye, what you will do is you will revitalize, rejuvenate, and energize yourself. Dude, I learned this from, you know, Masters of Business Associates, you know? Like, <laughs> yeah. you put on the red tie, dude, power tie. Yeah, yeah. Well, this is a, a, a known psychological phenomenon, too, where if you change the color of a room, it will change the way that people actually interact with it. Right. So what this reminds me a lot of is I actually read a book once on chaos magic and the idea of chaos yeah. magic. Yeah, that's similar to what Evelyn talks about, where there's this energy source and what you need to do is create sigils or some kind of object that's meaningful for you so that you can use that to channel the energy through. So right. it's not that you have to say a certain incantation that only that incantation will work. There's a lot of different ways to approach it. It What matters is that it means something to you. Yeah. And if for those who have seen Inception, it's the totem, right? Like the thing that gets you out of the dream yeah. to tell you that you're in a dream is your own personal totem. Yeah, pretty much. It's, it's a totem that is meaningful to you, right? right. And, and that's the most important aspect of this. So she digs a bit more into other colors as well and, and what other colors could potentially do for you. So therefore, when you want to put a shield of protection around you or when you want to increase your healing, always use the color of blue. So interesting. If you want to attract money, if you want to attract success, if you want to bring something to you of a prosperity, then mm. you use the color of green. Green. Oh, well, that makes sense. If you want to stimulate the intellect, if you want clear-sightedness and, and good imagination and inspiration, then you would tap into the color of yellow. That's interesting because when I think of yellow, I typically think of sickness and death. Yeah, no, that's interesting. Um, the first thing it made, that's, that's a good point because it is not always the best color. The first thing it made me think of was the uh, story of the Yellow King, the, right. the old book written, which was essentially about, it was like a horror story about you know, creative people who lose their minds from this book. So that story is kind of about the line between creativity and insanity in a way. Right. Uh, and that's what, that's what kind of jumped into my mind for uh, first thing. So yeah, maybe be wary of yellow. <laughs> not, not, not totally convinced by yellow. Not too much yellow. And the other thing she talks about too, is the use of candles. So you can burn a certain colored candle. So if you, you know, wanted to, you know, protect yourself, burning a blue candle would work. Um, I think that the fact that she said green equals money also points to the fact that this is more of a chaos magic type origin because green meaning money is very much an American thing, right? Because we have right. green paper bills. That's right. not necessarily ubiquitous across the world or across time either. Well, green with envy and typically envy came from pride, right? And so I think that green with envy is probably an older idea and it kind of makes sense that the envy connects with money and stuff like that so i'm gonna get i'm gonna give her that one actually but yellow i'm afraid of i think it would depend on how old the phrase green with envy is right right which i don't really know 
Yeah, I, I'm not 100% positive. We can probably look into it, but I don't really care that much. Okay, so when it comes to magic, there are some people who are, who are much more natural at it, but pretty much everyone can do magic. Are there are there na- are, are there people who are natural uh, witches? Yes, there are. Everyone has latent psychic ability and intuition, mm-hmm. but there are some people who have been born into a family, and it's hereditary, as mine is. There are others out there who just have, maybe from a past incarnation, the ability to have a sixth sense. They know what tools to use. They know what herbs to use. They know what essential oils. So Dr. Paglini, much like Harlot, does come from a line of witches. She does indeed, dude. She This goes way deeper there. She started doing witchcraft when she was a toddler, pretty much. Holy cow. Yeah, yeah. so she just grew up. Her her family were just pagans that yeah, practiced pretty much. magic. Okay. She, and that's the complicated part because she did also grow up Catholic, but also using magic, which seems contradictory, but in her mind it's not because magic comes from God. Dude, Catholicism has always lent itself to magical acts though again santeria and voodoo are kind of they they take place in french colonies dude haiti uh french catholic louisiana french catholic like these things are you go to west africa you know what i mean like they they infused the ideas of of the christian catholic tradition with these kind of animist, these old world magic ideas. Yeah, yeah. And the one thing that I was kind of hesitant about was, you know, her her talking about almost like there's a hierarchy of magic users based on familial origins. I'm not totally certain if I like that, but it is kind of cool how, you know, even if your family isn't a bunch of magic users, if you have used magic in a past life, that sticks with you. And you still kind of have this like, you know, natural urge to use magic in, in your own special way, which I think is right. Cool. Right. So back to her starting magic really young, Chris, like, like I said, she was basically like a toddler when she started getting into this stuff. Well, my grandfather was what they call today a magus. There is a society out there that has a minister, a master, a grandmaster, a doctorate, a high priest, a high priestess, an adept, and a magus. There's only one other that's higher, and that's an Assisimus, and that's like a Dalai Lama. My grandfather was a magus. He held a seat for over 25 years, and he was a practitioner of the occult for more than 60. Uh-huh. And he trained me. I was initiated at four years old. Of course, he wasn't too pleased that I was a girl. He was thinking it was going to be a boy. But uh, unfortunately, it was a girl, and it was me. Dude, that's some crazy stuff, that there's this, like, whole secret hierarchy. I've never heard of any of this. <laughs> yeah, yeah. How, did you look into this? Like, are all these people real? Are these real positions? Or is she just making this all up? So there are a few different magical-type or- orders, like the Solar Temple and, and things like that. I don't know right. exactly if it correlates with these types of positions. Mm-hmm. But regardless, you know, her family was very high up in a magical organization and right. started to, to train her at four, dude. Can you imagine learning magic at four? No, I mean, it, it has to completely change the way you view the world. Yeah. And the other thing, too, is apparently there's some sexism in the magical community with her grandpa wanting her to be a boy and she was a girl and that was a disappointment. Yeah, but it was also like the 60s, right? Yeah. Like that's just that 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 was universal. I mean, you go to China these days, most everyone's wanting little baby boys. You know, there's, nothing's changed. Yeah, the thing too is she speaks a little bit about uh genders and magic, and uh-huh. gender really doesn't correlate with your ability to use magic, but back then the way that things played out was that if you were a woman in the magical community, typically you wouldn't raise rise the ranks because right. you would, you know, have children and take care of the home while your husband becomes the, you know, super impressive magician. But Evelyn naturally decided, no, I'm sticking with magic. And that's that's really been her priority. These people are making livings off of doing magic. I don't know if it's how they make their living. She doesn't okay. actually speak to that. Okay. Okay. But they I think Evelyn basically has because her whole thing is that she's a parapsychologist. Right. She's got a PhD. Yeah. 
PhD in magic, basically. Right. All right. So some of the listeners begin facts again the moment that Art says he's going to have a witch on. And as you can imagine, they're not necessarily ha- happy because the Bible says that witches are bad and that witchcraft yes. is bad. This is true. This is very true. Here it comes already, Evelyn. Uh, hello, Art. It says, before you start tonight's show, remember, remember you're not dealing with a witch. You're dealing with Satan himself. <laughs> Do not get lost in this program. If you believe in God then you have to believe in Satan, and he shows himself in many ways, and that, of course, is Evelyn Paglini. Evelyn? Well, first of all, I can understand a person thinking that when you're dealing with uh, witchcraft or Satanism, that that would be a part of the devil only because of their misunderstanding. I think that if you study religions and if you are spiritual, you get to a point where you realize that there is only one religion and there is only one source, and that source is God. Great answer from Evelyn, dude. <laughs> really impressive answer, man. Really, it, this isn't the first time she's had to answer that question, though, right? Yeah, when you have a PhD, like yeah. you've probably dealt with this stuff before. You've dealt with that before, so great answer. One of the things I've always thought interesting about this evangelical christian thoughts on magic is that like jesus was literally a magician (laughs) yeah yeah dude was like would go to a party and be like oh man y'all running out of wine some water bang there's some wine and it's like yo my best friend just died boom let me bring him back alive oh i'm a child and i'm like building clay pigeons on the sabbath and a priest gets mad at me Boom! They're no longer clay pigeons. They're live pigeons, and they just fly off. That's actually from the Islamic tradition. We don't talk about that <laughs> in Christianity. But some great, like, wild child, adolescent Jesus stories just doing crazy magic all the time. Yeah, I mean, there's another one, too, from Islamic tradition where he cuts a board too short, and his dad's mad at him, so he just expands the board to be the right size. <laughs> like, Dude was doing magic yeah. all the time. Yeah, and that's the way to think about this, too, is that it's not considered magic when Jesus does it, right? Because it's right. coming from God. She's She said she's doing the same thing. And also, if you look in Acts, dude, the apostles were also doing magic. They're also going around and healing people, right? Right. So right. that that is in Christian tradition. It's just given a different name. Right. But it's the same and stuff. If she, was, if she was just making the blind see and healing cripples... No one would say anything, dude. If she would have said, you know what I mean? Like, yeah. let the woman do her magic. Come Just, on. She's having a good time with magic. That's yes. what it's all about. All right. So let's get into some more practical magic, Chris. Our defense against the dark arts. How do we protect ourselves? You've got an enemy, dude, and he's casting down curses upon you. What do you do? Are we allowed to use defense against the dark arts? Did J.K. Rowling, like, trademark that? I doubt it's trademarked, and I also I would say we're using it partially as satire. So right, I feel so like we're fine. fine. Yeah, we're fair good. use, <laughs> fair use, fair use. Thanks, J.K. Defense against dark magic. How about that? We'll we'll change it slightly. Yeah, yeah. Uh, what is the color black? Well, the color black can be used to remove a negativity. In other words, when you think of evil, when you think of the darkness or the dark side. The only color that is representative uh, universally is the color of black. And so, therefore, when you want to deal with the removing of or the placing on, depending, remember, knowledge is a double-edged sword, Mm -hmm. then you would use the color of black, whether it be in a black candle or whether it be in an image candle. So our idea of black magic and the general populace mm-hmm. is wrong yeah pretty much it's wrong well it's partially correct partially correct but but black magic can be used to protect you yeah and that's what she talks about too is, is what she said about the double-edged sword where everything ah. that you do has two different sides to it okay so using you know uh, a black candle for instance can either be used to defend yourself and kind of absorb that negative energy or you can use it to push negative energy off to other people Ah, so it's kind of like Aragon. 
where the magic in the world, you had to like steal life pulse to do the magic. Yeah, the uh, the dragon book series, not uh, Aragorn from uh, Lord of the Rings, but yeah, yes. you had to like suck Ar- the life. Aragon, not Aragorn. Yeah, with an E. Yeah. No, yeah, it's very similar in, in a way. And, you know, there's there's always going to be a karmic effect as well. And we'll get into that in a minute. But everything that you do has repercussions. So you also have to be right. really careful with this stuff. That's good stuff, dude. That's good lore. She's got great lore. I love Evelyn, dude. She is awesome. I want to, it makes me want to start doing magic. I'm going <laughs> to start candles. calling her Doc. Yeah, Doc. What you got for us, Doc? So she mentioned an image candle at the, the end of that last clip. So let's get yes, into what yes. that is. Yes, an image candle is a wax figure in the shape of either a male or a female. And what it does is it presents or represents a subject an individual that you're going to work on, be it yourself, another family member, or even someone who has done you an injustice. Voodoo doll. It's, it's just a, a voodoo doll. It's a candle voodoo doll. That's so awesome. And you just burn it? Yeah, I guess you just burn it, and then you, you start manifesting. Like, you focus the energy on it, and that's kind of how okay. you channel it through the doll. So if you make a voodoo doll out of black wax... That's a great way of uh, putting a curse on someone. Okay. And and if I was to do a blue wax, I would be putting kind of a healing protective aura over the person. Or if I did a green one, I would give success to the person. Or if I did a yellow one, they would have uh, what mental clarity or creativity and stuff. Yeah, yeah, creativity and stuff. Yes. And you could also That's do it super on yourself. Cool. That's yeah. super cool. I need to get so what you're telling me is that I need to get some like little small person molds and start making my own candles. Yeah, make get a couple of molds, uh, drop in your can, and then also we'll get into this too. You have to have something from the person, and that helps out as well. So always, like a piece of hair, always. Yeah. That's standard voodoo mythology. Yeah, and then that'll make sure that it really is you know getting to that person. So always keep like a little small pair of scissors with you so you can cut people's hair. Yeah, if they ever wrong you, you yeah, just, it is a little like, clip. Let me, let me get a little snip. Yeah, someone someone at work tomorrow is gonna go in and just like cut off their enemy's hair and then right. curse them. <laughs> All right, so let's actually get into how you can attack someone, right? Because she doesn't just talk about how to protect herself, she talks about how you can actually get revenge on people. That's such great information. Thank you, Doc. <laughs> Why is a piece of hair or an article from the person that you wish to affect in a negative way, uh, is such a thing actually possible? Yes, it is. And please understand that you can also affect the positive using the same tools. Of course. So therefore, it is called sympathetic. We were talking about imitative. Imitative was the, the wax figure that you dress and you put a picture on and make look like the person that you are going to be working on, the subject. Sympathetic is that which is in sympathy with the body. And so, therefore, you want the hair, okay, the first, nails. Or excuse me, I'm sorry, sorry to interrupt, Evelyn. The first, you, you, you said you make a representation of that person. Yes. That sounds almost like voodoo. It is very similar because what you're doing is you are trying to concentrate your mind's attention and focus it on an effigy that is a representation of the person. It's just another form of a totem, mm-hmm. right? Like it's, it's again, this even comes to our general conception of magic doers with like Harry Potter and stuff of having the wands, right? In the Harry Potter world, the wand was actually kind of doing something, but in most traditions of magic, the wand was merely there to be able to help you focus your energy through a point Mm -hmm. it wasn't actually really doing anything you could like put charms and stuff on it to like again help you concentrate that energy but it's just these are all totems right these are all representations to help you manifest an idea out into the world or not even just an idea in this case a meme if you will but to actually change the effects of the world around you. Yeah, pretty much. And it's funny you mentioned Harry Potter too, because I've been playing Harry Potter Legacy and there's actually new lore they built in where there's a student from East Africa and apparently 
witchcraft of East, Af East Africa doesn't use wands. Right. So when she went to Hogwarts, she had to learn how to use a wand. Right. Um, so it now is kind of similar, according to the legacy um, uh, lore, that the wand now channels versus like you have to have it to do magic. It's just, right. you know, in Hogwarts, they don't know how to do magic without it. Right. Little Hogwarts legacy lore for you. <laughs> Typical Brits, dude. Typical Brits. <laughs> Now, here's the important thing, though, because like I said before, there can be karmic retribution here. So you need to be really careful if you are putting out those negative forces into the world and actively trying to attack someone. You need to have good justification. Negative begets negative. Positive begets positive. That's a good flip of that. We'll have to talk about this after the clip. Do something bad to somebody for an unjustified reason. It will come back to you times three 10. 10. Times 10. Tenfold. Tenfold. Uh, so this is the karmic side to the craft. Um, yep. Intentionally foist off evil on somebody. Yes, you. it can be done, but it will come back to you inevitably? Yes, you will pay the price karmically either in this lifetime or in another. What you have to understand, it is your soul that is important. And so, therefore, when you gain power and you gain knowledge, you are tested. You are tested if you are going to use this acquired power in a negative fashion. Love that, dude. Absolutely love that. I think that's so good. With great power comes great responsibility, man. A hundred percent, dude. A hundred percent. And, like, this is a real-life Chris, how I live my life is that my idea of karma is like the mathematical equation of morality, right? If you go out and do a bad thing, that lowers your equation. If mm -hmm. you go out and you do a positive thing, that increases your equation. And every interaction you take is sometimes a small negative, sometimes a small positive, sometimes a wash, Sometimes you do a great thing. Sometimes you do a terrible thing. Over time, the equation is changing, which means you're either going to bring in negative, bring in positive, or bring in neutral. Yeah, and that's pretty much what's happening here. I mean, there's a really cool way of framing karma, too, that I, I heard from someone once where it's like whenever someone you know, is jerked you in some way, right? That basically ruins the rest of your day for a lot of people. Like it really, right. really bothers you. So you can think of karma as like a ripple effect. Like when you throw a little rock in a pond, it's a tiny little rock, but the ripple goes outwards. And that person now may act more negatively to the next person. And then that person right. acts negatively to another person. So right. you're sending out these negative ripples and eventually it'll come back around to you. And man, right. even if it doesn't come back around to you, do you really want to be putting that out in the universe? Right. Just don't don't be a jerk, dude. Don't be a dick. Rule number one. Get a metaphysical with the doc right now, dude. Loving it. <laughs> now, but here's my question, Chris, because all this is about balance, right? And what you said earlier, I really liked. On the flip side of this, if you were to not say curse someone, but you were to make an effigy of like your friend or relative and make it like green, right? Or make it right. blue to protect them. Does that come back around tenfold to you? I love that idea, dude. I yeah. mean, but here's the thing. I think universally a negative is always going to be stronger than a positive. You know, it's kind of like yeah. the Martin Luther King, the long arc of justice bends to whatever, whatever the hell the saying is, but it just takes a whole lot of time. It takes a whole lot of positive to make changes and it doesn't take that much negative to cause a huge negative effect. Yeah, no, I, I think you're probably right there. But I, I do like the idea of people like bestowing blessings on people they know through magic, though. That just seems really pleasant. I'm about to make so many blue <laughs> candle humans, dude. What a cool idea. Like, is it working? I don't know. But it's just like a nice thing, you know, like, oh, I'm going to light a little blue candle for Paul, you know, that has a little yeah. piece of his hair inside of it. Yeah, and then I'll do a little green one for Chris to, to hope that you get just a windfall of cash. Money me. <laughs> Money me. It'd be great. So let's talk a little bit more about practical things, right? Because that, that's what Hey, I, Paul, maybe that'll be a Patreon thing we can do. We can give everyone some hair. <laughs> we'll cut some of our hair for the patrons and make little Chris and Paul 
voodoo doll candles. Yeah, that, that actually sounds like a really great uh, Patreon gift, voodoo candles. We'll, voodoo, just, we'll, we'll make our own. I'm not making any black ones, though. They're only getting green and blue ones. Unless unless you specifically need it to protect yourself. If there's a magician attacking you, we, we'll make you a black candle. But it has to be used for good. Okay. That's right. That's right. Please don't do bad with the black magic candle. Because if we help out with bad magic, that's going to come back around to us, too. Right. So don't put that bad juju on us. All right. So more to the practical stuff, right? Because I love this. And that's why I love Evelyn. She talks about like what you can do in your day to day. And Art had a story about when he got a cursed doll. And the important thing to know about this is Art's wife is a water witch, which basically means she can go out on land and find water which is an interesting trick, I guess. Those are those like divination rods and stuff, right? Yeah, she uses rods to find water. Yeah, dude, yeah. that's craziness. So his wife is an active practitioner and he also talks about when she basically put like a love curse on him when they first met, which is kind of funny. Um, but this is going to be specifically about Art receiving a cursed doll in the mail. Somebody uh, sent this very old doll and uh, it was, um, you know, a cloth uh, doll, and you could tell it's very, very old. And it was actually singed. And there was a letter that came with it, Evelyn. And uh, this letter was very serious. It was from an individual who had had this doll in their home. And there had been, uh, according to this person, a curse placed upon this doll. And, uh, in fact, this person's home had burned to the ground. But the curse remained on this doll, and I'll be damned if this person didn't send this doll to me. And for lack of a better phrase, to use a streetism, my wife freaked out when she opened it. Read the I letter. would have, too. She ran into the kitchen. She got all the salt mm -hmm. that we had in the house, and she took this doll lock, stock, box, and barrel out to the dipsy dumpster we've got out there, threw it in, and proceeded to use all of our house salt and covered this doll in salt. That dude salts the doll. <laughs> I also love because Art talks about how he gets a lot of weird stuff in the mail. It's I'm such sure, a I'm jerk sure, move. I'm sure people sent him the most ridiculous yeah. stuff. Like, why would you send the man a cursed doll? Probably hoping that he could get rid of the curse. Yeah, maybe. You know what I was thinking about though? Maybe it's like The Ring, where when you watch the movie you are going to die in seven days. And the only way to get out of it is if you make a tape and make, make someone else watch it. Maybe that's right. how you get rid of the curse is you have to pass yeah. it on. You can't you gotta just pass the curse. Yeah. You got to pass the curse. And, and luckily we're dealing with a water, witch who knew how to handle a curse. If I that, get a yeah. cursed doll, dude, my first thought is not go out to the dumpster and cover it with house salt. Yeah. Yeah. It's too smart, dude. She knows she knows about this stuff. And that's the, the awesome thing is that she is clearly a pro, man. His wife's a pro. Is, is the doc going to tell us more about salt? Because I would love to learn about the magical properties of salt. Yeah, so let's, let's get into why you would want to use salts, you know, specifically on a cursed doll. First line of defense for purification of anything that has a repository of negativity would be salt. Why? because it is a purifying agent. Second line of defense would be sea salt, even stronger. Third would be sulfur. Sulfur. And fourth would be black salt. Black salt. Yes. In, uh... They're all purifiers, and what they do is they set up barriers so that that which is negative either cannot get out or get in, depending on which way you are placing it. So she was absolutely right. She picked up the vibration immediately that there was something negative and evil, mm -hmm. and she wanted not to allow that vibration to get into the home. And it could have, even though it wasn't intended for you. Dude, I'm about to buy, like, five pounds of black salt. I, I looked it up on Amazon. If anybody wants to buy black salt uh, on Amazon, you can go to the Pride of India brand and get 2.2 pounds of Himalayan black salt for $12. A deal. It's pretty cheap. Sold. And the other funny thing, when I so when I searched for black salt, about half of the things that popped up were specific brands for magic. It's like oh. ma magical ritual black salt. Who why who else would use black salt, dude? For the most part, you're not using that in cooking. That's gross. <laughs> yeah, I don't think it'll look very. There good. is one reason you would use black salt. 
purification, baby. And guess what's going into my entranceway and my back door, dude? A line of black salt. It'll protect you from anything bad, man. Yeah. You, a, ain't, you ain't getting into my entranceway, vampire, ghost, or evil demon. Get your bad vibes out of here. That's right. So what is it about salt that because she just kind of says well it's a purifying agent and it's like yeah i guess you know you would like salt your wounds back in the day and stuff like that to help it clean out is that just kind of what's going on here i was salting i thought salting wound was specifically to cause pain no you you they would use salt in the wounds to i guess they're right because it does it 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 kills bacteria. It kills yeah. stuff like that. And kind of like you were saying with like the old Testament and Judaism, just coming up with these like rules that they didn't really quite know why it worked, but it did. And so now it's a law. Now it's a rule. Now it's something you have to follow. Right. Yeah. When you go into a foreign land, you come back, you got a quarantine. Yeah. They were it, calling it quarantining. They weren't calling anything like that. You put salt on something, it does, it dries it up, right? And literally kills the bacteria, can kill uh, fungi and stuff like that because it, it it's destroying the environment, essentially. No, that's a good point. And I mean, I learned from playing Oregon Trail in elementary school that you need to buy salt so you can salt your meat and let it keep. Salt your meat, dude, same thing. Yep. And it's And it's preserving it. It's keeping it protected yeah. from outside environmental factors. Yeah, so I think it's, she doesn't really explain it, but I think it's the same basic concept. I think we just explained it. I think we did a great job there. Good good, good on us, dude. We're basically magicians now. We're magic scientists. <laughs> so if there's one thing that anyone who listens to Art Bell's Coast will know, uh, Art Bell was obsessed with the Ouija board, and I think so were a lot of his listeners. So he actually got a fax during the interview asking what she thought about Ouija boards. Ooh, good question. Yeah, so I had to pull this in because I love the Ouija talk. Yeah, got to go Ouija talk. We haven't talked about it in a while either. Yeah, it's been a minute. What does Evelyn think of the Ouija board? Uh, there are many people who dabble uh, in fun, at parties, fun time, get together. Let's uh, get out the old Ouija board and see what it does. You know, I've done a couple of columns on that particular subject in newspapers, and the Ouija board is, again, not a toy because it is another tool where you are opening up the door and you, again, can get more than you bargained for. Now, those people who are trained, who are sensitive, they can receive information that can be extremely beneficial. In fact, one person was given a warning and stopped a very, very serious crime from happening. 90% of the time, it is the average layman out there that is playing the game and usually getting hurt because they, are, they have absolutely no training, low-entity beings that are just looking for a receptacle. So Doc has the same ideas about Ouija board that we do. Yeah, yeah. Like, if you don't know what you're doing, don't touch it. Well, I think I have a slightly different conception because I have messed with the Ouija board before. But I realize it may not be the smartest move. Don't open up that portal, dude. Like we're saying with all these things, these are totems. And there is power in totems. Whether it's just us personally giving the power or, in fact, they are able. these totems are able to manifest our will out into the larger world, which I'm not 100% convinced of. But I ain't going to mess with it. Well, and I think that's why I've never had anything happen on a Ouija board is because I've only ever used the Hasbro Ouija board. We've talked about this. And yeah, it's just it's not going to work. It's a it's a trash totem. Yeah, right. It doesn't, doesn't work. Not good. Not a great totem, which is a bummer. But this also, I think, goes back to a question that we got for our Q&A episode, which is have ghosts ever helped people? And the story that Evelyn tells about someone using a Ouija board and finding out about a crime, being able to stop the crime, I think goes directly to that question. Like a big they, yes. they have yeah, a big yes, big old yes. So we finally have our evidence of it. There you go. That's what we're here for to, to answer these questions that have plagued us since the dawn of time. 
eternal questions. Yeah. So we're about to take a dark turn here, Chris. Oh God. Um, because Art wants someone killed and asks Evelyn's advice on how to go about doing this. Oh my lord. Okay. So this is this is gonna take a, a little bit of a darker twist. Okay. In other words, I get with, without giving details away, somebody came at me or my family in a way as to do us deadly harm. Um and I I spent a few nights talking about revenge on the air, something the audience didn't understand because they don't understand, nor have I been able to explain to them uh, what occurred. And I still cannot explain to my audience what has occurred. The day may come when I can do that, and I certainly will at that point. And I have a lot to say about it. I, I My lips are sealed at this moment. Suffice it to say, I have reason to want possibly deadly revenge on this person and I have confided in you um, what this person has done you know what it is yeah. and um, I guess I first would ask you uh, after consideration uh, whether you feel that what I explained to you what I told you about is sufficiently dastardly uh, to justify uh, the use of deadly magical uh, force against this person. Is it possible with magic to take someone's life? So I, I hate that we keep on using Harry Potter. I feel like a freaking idiot. But he wants to abracadabra this guy. Avada Kedavra. Avada Kedavra. Yeah. Essentially, so he, yeah. That's essentially. what he wants to do. Yeah, he yeah. just wants to destroy this human being. Yeah, and the big difference between Avada Kedavra and um, what he's referring to is that the killing curse in Harry Potter, I believe, is dependent on proximity and line of sight to actually right. cast the spell. Right, 100%. What Evelyn talks about is that distance is only a limitation if the practitioner's is limited. So you could technically harm someone on the other side of the world if you were good enough at magic. Right, and theoretically, the other side of the universe. Yeah, yeah, pretty much anywhere, right? There's no yeah. there's no real distance limitation. Right, so yeah. If the, if the aliens are real and, you know, you think that they are nefarious, then, you know, technically you could put a curse on them. Yeah, what is the thing in quantum mechanics when the electrons are, are binded no matter how far away they are? Like, uh, I'm sure yeah. magic, magic kind of works the same way, I'm sure. Yeah, spooky action is what they call it. Yeah, spooky action at a distance. That's and that's right. the technical term. They use the word spooky. Yeah. Physicists yeah. made that yeah. up. <laughs> Astrophysicists came up. Uh, spooky action. It's uh, extra creepy particles. Uh, sp make it spooky. So they're going to dig into a bit more about how they can actually hurt this person, which is, this is interesting because they're basically talking about a magical assassination live on air. You can have them waste away. You can have them have instant karma for their actions. You can have other people around them turn against them. You can have beings and demons that no one sees but him reach him and touch him. There are many ways to affect people. You're not coming because someone has insulted you or put you down no, no. or talked behind your back. No, no. You're coming from real justification. Serious, deadly Serious, harm. And deadly so justification. I am prepared Absolutely. to return uh, in kind. Now, uh, that would mean that karmically, I would not soon be paying times 10. No, you would not. And neither would any person who you went to to help, assist, or perform. All right, I, I wanted to ask that. Um, and I, I will proceed with you privately, uh, in this arena. Dang, the doc put a crazy curse on this person. Or yeah, art, yeah. Didn't she? I bet she did, dude. I bet she did. Oh my gosh. Okay, 1997. Do we know what happened to this person, person X, that art is so angry at? So we know what person X did. Um, okay. and at the time, the listeners did not know what he was referring to. He had told Evelyn, but no one else knew what was going on. Okay. Um, and this ultimately is what led to him retiring in the year 2000. So 
in leading art to retire. Yeah, leading leading art to retire. Okay. So what had happened um, in the previous May, so about two months before this interview, Art's son was molested by a teacher. Oh my lord! So there were both um, rape and kidnapping charges put against this teacher. Oh. And that's why Art couldn't talk about it was because it was an active case. at the Right, time. right. Yeah. yeah, he literally couldn't talk about it. Yeah, so this naturally caused a lot of issues um, for, you know, his son and, and his family. So yeah. in 98, he actually disappeared for a few days and came back without explanation. And it was related uh-huh. to this case. Right. And there was a, um, a real asshole named Ted Gunderson, who was the former head of the Los Angeles FBI. And he was also a host at the shortwave radio station WWCR that accused Art of molestation. Um, oh so he found some sort of like trail of Art Bell's family being related to molestation, active molestation charges and accused Art of it. Art ended up suing him and Art had to disappear from the airways for a few days because I think he was just so distraught from it. Right. Um, and then later in 2000, this was when he was open on air about what had occurred. And it was basically a big reason of why he stepped down from coast was because, you know, mentally it was so traumatic for his family and emotionally it was so traumatic that he was like, I, I just can't give you my all anymore. So it, it it totally explains though why he's so angry. Yeah, and that's like, the thing is like he and yeah. totally justified, right? Yeah. And that is an interesting point by Evelyn that there is justification in using negativity in the world, right? Yeah. Like sometimes, and there's that old you can't fight fire with fire. Evelyn's saying, "Oh hell yeah, you can." Yeah. And I'm going to do it for you. And anybody who helps you in this endeavor will not be hurt by it either. Mm-hmm. So that's interesting. So like it, it's a negative entity out there that you do negative against almost acts as a positive. So like kind, yeah. it is kind of two negatives do equal a positive. Now they may now they probably actually cancel each other out, but that that we're getting into some weird stuff here, dude. Yeah, and it, it gets into some dark stuff too, you know, because like you yeah. said, he definitely is justified in asking this question in, in my opinion, because like yeah. yeah, that's messed up, man. That's that's dark. Who was it that did our shadow shadow people in Hatman episode? Do you remember the lady's name? Uh, yeah, that would be Heidi Hollis is their shadow person expert. Do you think Heidi Hollis got cursed to see entities and that's Ooh. why she sees them all the time? That's a good question. And nobody else sees them? That's a good question because that, it is weird that she is constantly seeing shadows. That's my That was my first thought because – and that was, that was a thing that Evelyn mentions, like cursing somebody to see things that aren't there. Yeah. To be tormented by by shadows. And like I just immediately was like, holy crap, Heidi Hollis is literally being tormented by shadows. Someone might have cursed her when she was a kid. Somebody cursed her, dude, for real. And the cursing can also be accidental because there there are some callers who called in and were like, I accidentally like put a curse on someone and I didn't oh. mean to, but I was putting so much negative energy out towards them that all this bad stuff started happening. Oh, no. Yeah. So that's pretty sad. Whoops. Yeah. Well, and uh, speaking of callers, um, we do have a caller who has some mental health issues and was hoping to get Evelyn's advice on how to best deal with them. Uh, First time caller line, your turn with Dr. Evelyn Baglini. Hello. Hi, um, my name is Sasha. I'm from Columbia, Missouri. I'm 21 years old and uh, I'm an Aquarius also. Um, I have a couple questions, actually. Uh, My first one is... um, I feel a lot of energy and anxiety. I also take antidepressants, and um, I feel like I'm a bit psychic somewhat. I was wondering um, if you could uh, help me in my youth uh, get a handle on this a little bit better. (laughs) All right. Well, actually, let me translate. You can certainly answer this question, but there are, doctor, many people, it seems to me, who are diagnosed with some sort of mental malady, because they have some sort of special insight or hear or see things that others do not. Not all of them are paranoid schizophrenics, are they? 
No, they are not. And like I said, more and more they are rising to the surface, these latent psychic abilities and these intuitions and these visions and precognition, uh, also in dreams. So uh, as far as him getting a handle on it, what he has to realize is that it is real and that it is happening and that he can learn to control it and to manifest it at will and then to utilize it. So this kid's just Haley Joe Osmond in The Sixth Sense. Yeah, he's yeah, seeing, a little bit, a little bit. He's seeing dead people all, all over the place. People are trying to be like, yo, dude, you crazy. And he's like, I'm telling you, there's dead people all over the place. <laughs> that was what I was thinking about with this, too, because when it comes to, to mental health issues, is it better to think that it's you know some sort of ability and then you learn to control it in that way and not be afraid of it or is it better to just get on medication i feel like it's the latter the problem especially in western society is that we've completely destroyed the notion of like the mentor and mentee right the apprentice and the master and i think think like the doc was saying some of us probably do have these lanted abilities and if you were able to go to somebody who knew knows how to control this stuff there may be something to it you know what i mean maybe schizophrenics do can kind of touch this outer world right this like in between world that so many of us have absolutely no sense of generally, right? Because we aren't trained in it. We aren't guided towards it. And so if you could go to somebody who could kind of guide you down the path of what we call magic, and it's just like kind of this metaphysical realm, I don't know, dude. Maybe we're kind of stifling the the potential of humanity with these drugs, yeah, I don't know. I don't know enough about the experience of, you know, having a condition like schizophrenia, honestly. Right. Because if you I, have I, schizophrenia, seek help. Don't listen to me. <laughs> go to don't go listen to, to me. Go talk to. Don't listen to Chris from Coast to Coast PM, dude. That's a silly thing to do. But I can kind of see, you know, like if I did have schizophrenia, I probably would want to talk to something, somebody like Dr. Pagolini to kind of be like, I don't know. Maybe I am just crazy, but maybe I do have some kind of connection to another realm. I don't know. Well, and I think we're also picking probably one of the more severe conditions that you could have, but I think right. um, magic, hundred percent things like that can be very therapeutic for a lot of people, yes. um, especially if it is more like anxiety and depression. I think that I've known a lot of people who use magic as a, as a source of therapy, specifically around like tarot cards. Right where right. tarot cards you know there there are certain meanings to certain cards but there are also a right. lot of different meanings based on the different symbols on like the rider weight tarot deck and people use them as a way of like self-reflection where you deal your own right. cards out and then you're you have a specific problem that you're running into and then it helps you kind of think through it and like oh i see this which relates to that issue i'm having and this is a way that i can approach it i think that that sort of thing can be beneficial for certain people it's all forms of being able to control that in which we can't control, right? Burning a candle with a piece of somebody's hair and saying, I'm putting a protective aura around this person. Am I actually doing anything? Probably not. Probably not. Let's be honest about that. But it's giving me a sense that at least I'm I'm trying to do something to help somebody, Right. I'm at least trying to do something to 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 just control this little aspect of my life in a world in which I have absolutely zero control in in actuality, but I don't want to think about the actuality. I want to think that I'm I'm manifesting my will into the universe. Yeah, and that what it kind of reminds me of too is the placebo effect, which people talk about placebo as in being fake. 
But I think right. what we typically overlook with placebo is that the reason why there's a placebo effect is because you believe that something's happening and that it has real tangible impacts on both your body and your, your mental uh, state, right? So that means your belief that something was helping you has actually improved your symptoms of some sort of condition. And this seems kind of similar, like your belief in this working has made you feel better. And that to right. me is ultimately the important part. Like you're not really hurting anyone by burning a candle. Who cares? Well, dude, and on that point, that is what is wrong with our society is that we look at placebo effect and we're like, well, that's stupid and weird. And then nobody looks into it. Yeah. It's like this person didn't take anything and they healed themselves. They healed themselves. You gave them a sugar pill and they're healed. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. We're not going to look into that. We're just going to disregard placebo. Are you kidding me? And there's so many ways that you can really look into that too, of people being able to fix their own conditions. Like all the old yogis used to sit on top of a mountain, right? Being able to control their breathing and drop their heart rate and blood pressure, which also, if you're able to do breathing exercises, it can help with anxiety, right? So right. I think, you know, obviously there are folks who need to be on medication hundred percent, but I think that there are things that you could be doing either while on medication or um, if you're not on medication to help kind of reduce some symptoms, there is going to be a limitation to that, but I think there there are a lot of things that, that you can be doing to help yourself. And I think in America specifically, we forget about a lot of those, you know, right. tricks that you can do to yeah. not feel so bad all the time because we all feel terrible all the time. Yeah. Yeah. So do some magic. Do some magic. It'll make you feel better. <laughs> That's what it's all about. What's what's gonna make you feel just a little bit better? And uh do be on the lookout for the coast to coast PM voodoo doll candles those are <laughs> going to be right around the corner once we can find a uh chinese manufacturer coming soon allegedly uh, well chris on a scale We're gonna have of to shave our heads or something to get enough hair that's going to be ridiculous on a uh on a scale of one to five bags of black salts what do you give dr evelyn paglini Easy, easy five bags of black salt, dude. I'm about to go to the University of Virginia to go, like, study underneath Dr. Evelyn Paglini, dude. I need to know more. So she has sadly passed away, but oh, well, you are able to uh, to still study parapsychology at, at UVA. Yeah, I'll, re I'll read her books, and I'll, uh, I'm sure there's some videos out there of her. What a gym, dude. Yeah. Way more interesting than I thought we were going to get into. When you said... Yeah, we're gonna uh, look at a witch. I was like, oh god, dude! I just had like Harlot the Witch brain just hit me immediately, and I was like, because I, I was so frustrated by her that she's given witch a bad name. But man, Doctor Paglini just brought witch into the 21st century for me. Yeah, I'm I'm gonna give her a five out of five too, dude. Great witch lore. She has thought this through. She had studied no. it. She has reasons behind it. She knows the structure of how things work. And I, I think that she does a really great job presenting it too, um, to the point where it makes you want to do some magic, man. I want to do some yeah, magic. Absolutely. Well, that has been today's episode. We hope that you enjoyed it. Once again, you can support us on Patreon. That will be in the show notes. And uh, send your questions to c2cpmpod at gmail.com. Uh, and that'll be it for today. All conspiracy, all the time. Later.